This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. Hello, everyone. The special brand new weekend edition of Bet and Breakfast. I will say right off the top, I just noticed in the intro, we need to change that song up a little bit because there's the audio clip of me saying that the New York Yankees season is over. Well, it's technically yes. just started now at this point. So maybe we need a little bit uh, of an update to that. Uh, but stack show free today as we head into Master Sunday. Of course, the round has already started. The leaders don't tee off here uh, for a couple more hours. Uh, we are going to talk NBA playoffs a little bit and then uh, each of our best bet for tonight. But really quick, before we uh, dive too deep into the Masters here, I do want to talk to you, Reed, because obviously uh, one of my co-hosts for the uh, Jab Cross Hook podcast and show every Wednesday, uh, UFC show. I do want to talk last night's UFC, UFC 273. Uh, I was up late watching that. I'm tired today from watching yeah. that. Those things going late. They got to move that back a little bit. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about, though, obviously, there's two big fights that happened last night and kind of your opinions on it. Uh, the first one comes at Chemayev against Gilbert Burns. I think we called it on the show. And I think Amy said it as well. Well, she obviously did because she drafted him in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Burns was severely undervalued as that big of an underdog but my first question to you Reed did he like did he win do you what do you think that was the right decision because there was some controversy about that I don't I don't think I thought Jemayev won rounds one and round three I I don't have any arguments but again it's like it's one of those things where it's like oh Jemayev lock minus like 500 like no he he didn't like we said like Burns was live to win he didn't win but it was still again like People like to only think if you win, it's a it's a good bet. If you win, it's a bad bet. If you lose, I thought Burns good bet. I didn't necessarily bet it, but I had no action on the fight. Fight of the year. Um, those guys were swinging the entire time. I was very impressed with both Chamayev and Burns. Maybe kind of stopped the Chamayev train a little bit in terms of is he a title contender? We'll see. I I think they suggested Covington next. I don't know how yes. I feel. I don't know how I feel about Chamayev against Covington. Got to kind of sit on that one a little bit more. But listen, we said Burns was a title-worthy fighter, and he was game for it. He was straight up. He was severely outmatched, stood up to him, wobbly a few times, struck right with Chemayev. I mean, mean, that was fight of the year. But I agree with the decision, though. I think Chemayev was rightfully won by decision. Yeah, I think he did too. There was some controversy with that. Uh, I think both fighters' stock went up. I tweeted out last night that I thought I went 3-0 in the draft. And by the way, of course, we'll dive into this more 
on this week's episode of Jab Crosshook. So be sure to catch that. Yes. Um, but I tweeted out last night. I went 3-0 in the draft and still lost. But I, to be fair, I had a couple of drinks last night and I didn't do the math. But I think with Amy's two losses, I think I won. Um, I think I might have got my first draft win last night. I think you won also, but she did have Aljo, which we could also talk about that because yes. shocking results, in my opinion. Really quick, before I do get in that fight, if Chamaya fights Covington next, who's who, like, set odds for me? Who would be the favorite? Would it be Chamayev? I tweeted out last night, if I get Covington at plus money, I'm hammering that. And I got just complete, like, polarizing opinions. Everyone yeah. was like, yeah, that'd be an easy bet, Covington win. And other people were like, <laughs> Ian, this is one of your worst stakes ever. Like, take an L on this one. I'm like... Like completely polar okay. opposites. Everyone has a strong feeling one way or the other on this one. Again, this is like a knee-jerk, like first reaction. Of course. I, I think Chimaev, I think Chimaev is favored. Because if you think okay, he was minus 500 against Gilbert Burns. So, like, how much do you downgrade him? And how much do you what's the difference between Covington and Burns? Right? Like, I think you're looking at Chimaev's slight favorite, like no higher than minus 140, minus 150. What do you think about that? I feel like that's a fit. Just I think that's not right. If and not I, if you, but would you bet Covington as an underdog in that spot? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I Covington say, would want to. By the way, I don't think Covington would want to fight him. I'm just saying. I, I did, don't know if that I did, a lock. I did see a book out there with uh, odds for Shmaev against uh, Usman, and Shmaev is a slight underdog. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, is it weird? I would bet Shmaev at any underdog price against Usman. But I wouldn't bet him as a favor against Covington. Like again, every fight is different. It's all about value. Yeah. yeah, I I think Chimaev is like legit. Just look at the size difference between him and Burns. Chimaev would be bigger than Usman in the cage. I think Chimaev could give Usman a lot of problems, more so than Covington. But again, I, it's so weird. I think Chimaev would be favored over Covington, and I'd bet Covington. But he'd be an underdog to Usman, and I bet uh, Chimaev. I know that sounds a bit backwards, but that's how my brain kind of operates. Yeah, like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, like, like yeah. I said, we'll talk about. We'll dive into this more on this week's episode. But really quick, Sterling versus Yawn. Did you agree with this decision? This one I didn't. I thought Yawn won rounds one, four, five, but round one was close enough. Like it's not like I'm not like yelling. And it was like the biggest. Sterling you know, was pretty dominant job of all time, but yeah, it. I don't know. Sterling, what, what was that round two where he kind of was just all over Jan? I yeah, I'm surprised three. they didn't. Nobody gave Sterling a. I actually, I was, I scored it a draw to be honest because I would have gave Sterling 10 8 in the second round. And I thought it would yeah, have been 7 47. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't know. I, I, I'm i a big Jan guy, but I thought I'm kind of salty because I thought Jan fought a bad fight. So I don't mind that Sterling won. Right. But, I agree with that. Yeah, it's another one where. Kind of annoying. Again, it's so annoying because I thought Jan should have won the first one, obviously, and then now he kind of lays an egg in this one, and now he's uh, everyone's going to have their revisionist history of what happened. But you ought to tip your cap to Sterling. I don't have any gripes with the decision, though. I thought, yeah, 48-47. Again, it's a toss-up. You Again, it's Jan's fault for leaving it up to the judges, so I guess right. I can't necessarily fault it. Yeah, there were some times in the fourth and fifth round where like he just decided to grapple – uh, with yeah. Sterling a little bit, where I felt at that point, it's like, man, they're probably going up against the scorecards a little bit. Like, go for a finish. Um, and he had him didn't. so he had him so good on the feet. If this stayed into a striking battle, stand up battle, he would have easily taken this fight. And listen, you 
you let you fought Sterling's fight, so you kind of deserve to lose. But I hope there's another fight, and guess what? I'll just bet Jan again. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jan might have to yeah, probably will probably do deal with Sean next. But anyways, I do want yeah. to move on to the Masters because that's always uh, that's obviously the story of the day. Masters Sunday. Uh, before we get into what's going on today, you were telling me before we went live about a parlay that you hit was which was bold, but you just kind of did it for fun. Uh, what was that parlay? Yeah, minus EV bet. This is not something I would like be proud of and like tout that this is like a good bet to do. But I don't bet a lot of golf, and ironically, I. Those sports I have, I follow very closely and bet on heavily. I'm doing poorly at right now, but the golf bet seems to be going well. So maybe <laughs> we have to change that up. But I hit a nine golfer to make the cup parlay, 24 to one payout. And big shout 24 out. 24 to one? I, I, 20, I didn't know it was that 24 high. to oh one. God. So I was, I was messing around and just like looking at like all the bets you could bet for the Masters. And and I started like clicking like to make the cut and see how many like what the payouts would be just messing around. And I realized you could parlay these. I don't bet golf regularly, so I wouldn't know. And I won't rattle them off, but the the big ones was Adam Scott making a putt on 18 to make the cut. Mark Leishman finished four over. He made the cut. And Cameron Champ, he was my lowest odds or I guess shortest odds at minus 102 to make the cut. Um, yeah, so nine leg parlay, 24 to one. That was a sweet payout just to make the cut. So easy, right? I should just do that every week. Uh, and then I'm also sitting on Scotty Scheffler, 26, 27 to 1 to make the cut. I watched one to round win. of – to win. Yeah, sorry. Uh, watched one round of golf of the – what was it? The match play. Match play tournament. Yeah, yeah. Match play tournament. I watched Scotty Scheffler tear up the field. He ends up winning that tournament. I bet him Saturday, 27 to 1. Uh so, yeah, we're sitting on that. I think he closed like 15, 16 to 1. So, please don't melt down, Scotty. <laughs> please do not melt down because that could erase a pretty crappy NCAA tournament for me and would easily be like the sharpest bet I've ever hit in my entire life that I took. I, I don't bet golf. I bet one guy weeks before the Masters closes, got grade number, and now he's up three strokes heading into Sunday. So, we'll see how that goes. Great CLV, great EV plus bet. Yeah, much better. Congratulations, than Reed. You you are now the new host of the Monday Golf Betting Show with Cody Williams. <laughs> I'll be say, bowing out, Mister Golf Better. What do we like <laughs> for Sunday so I can ride some stuff? I don't know, man. I, I, I my confidence is low in golf. I have not had a great tournament with my golf bets whatsoever. Uh, the two golfers who are near the top of the odds list, who I didn't really have any strong arguments against, but I'm just not a guy who's going to fire on like five, seven, eight outright bets. So I just stayed yeah. away. Was Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler? Now those are the two guys uh, leading because there's other guys near the top that that I had strong arguments against, like Jordan Spieth. You know we trashed him. <laughs> Poor yeah. Pete uh, picked him in our in our Masters. Uh, Line like dream lineup uh, video, and yeah. he missed the cut. Uh, uh, John Rom, I didn't have a lot of faith in because it's a short game, and he hasn't been in contention all week. So I had arguments against a lot of the top guys. The two guys I just didn't have arguments against, but didn't bet were Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler. My only concern with Cam Smith was that he hadn't uh, played since uh, the Players Championship. But uh, I'm impressed you got Scotty Scheffler 27 to one two weeks. Well, ago. hopefully, that was a, a hell of a call. Hopefully, we get this one home. So in terms of Sunday, how are you assessing the board? Do you think anyone could give Scotty a run besides Cam Smith? Maybe someone could, you know, go nuclear today. I don't know what the conditions are going to be because I know the past two days 
have been pretty tough scoring except outside of Scotty and uh, Cam Smith. So how do you see Augusta shaping out on Sunday? Yeah, so here's my take. So just a quick rundown of, of the odds here at WinBet uh, heading into the final round. Obviously, the final round started, but everyone who's teed off has no chance. Um, <laughs> Scheffler's minus 300 favorite, so implied probability. Scheffler's a 75% chance to win. Cam Smith, 2-1, to one, and then a huge drop-off. Sung J.M., who's five back of Scotty Scheffler, 25-1. to one. Lowry, 65-1, to one, who's seven back. And then Justin Thomas, uh, 80-1. to one. And then after that, there's an even bigger drop-off. Like Charles Schwartz, Schwartzel is next at 175 to one Canadian Corey Connors, 200 to one. Uh, so th those guys aren't even yeah. worth talking about. So basically my take is the only guy who has a chance to beat Scheffler without Scheffler melting down is Cameron Smith. Uh, that's obviously, uh, you know, the obvious take, but it's the right one. He's two to one. If he shoots like five under today, he can, he will at least force a playoff. Like Scheffler could still play solid, shoot one under, shoot even para solid round. Cameron mm -hmm. Smith is the only guy who can catch him based on his play alone, I think. Um, then you got Sung JM, who he's the start of the guys who he he needs Scheffler to not have a good not have a good round. So he's 21. Sung could go Sung Jay, he's a streaky golfer, though. Like if he put up a a, a low score, it wouldn't surprise me at all. He has the capability to get hot for sure. He could shrink birdies. Which he could. Which he could, but he's five back. So, like, yeah, if he even it. shoots three under, which is a very good round at Augusta, he would still need Scheffler to shoot two over just, just mm -hmm. for them to, to go to a playoff. So, uh, he kind of needs Scheffler to, to not have a good round and for Cam to not go super low. Um, one golfer that I wrote about uh, in, in my article today for Can Anyone Catch Scotty Scheffler, I think is the name of the article. And I don't think this is going to happen. But if you're going to bet on a guy who's kind of off the board here to do it, uh, I think Justin Thomas at 80 to 1. Might be worth like literally a two dollar bet. He battled uh, and the yesterday. reason what's that? He battled yesterday. He was yeah, and the bouncing around the course. I mean, Lowry has shorter odds and he has a stroke on Thomas, but the reason why I say Thomas and he really screwed himself with a take, he shot four over in the first yeah. round and put himself out of contention. But since that first round, his approach game has been unreal. And in order to, he's obviously gonna have to go extremely low to, to catch Scheffler. But in order to go low, you need a guy who uh, is ranking very high in strokes gained approach. Because you can be good off the tee and you can be good with your putters. But really to score, to score those birdies, to close this gap, uh, you have to have good uh, a good approach game. Uh, in round two, he, he gained 5.63 strokes on the field with his, his, his approach game. And then yesterday he gained 3.53. Uh, so most in the field on Friday by a long shot. Second in the field. Uh, yesterday with him and Char Charles Schwarzel is the only one who, who did better in that stat. So yeah, if he, he has another day where his approach game is that sharp and then he adds in some good putting, he'll shoot low. Now, once again, he'll still need both Scheffler and Cameron Smith to have a bad round, but that's possible at Augusta. Yeah. Especially you hit Amon's corner, you, you got a little bit of a pressure on you. So uh, if there's got a guy who's completely off the board that could kind of make a Sunday charge, I think it's JT. I just think he has the tools to do it. Yeah, I just again talking about Scotty, maybe he does blow up today, but just his approach shots. I know he might not be leading, you know, approach uh, strokes gained approach, but he's giving himself just chances at making birdie, easy tap in par. I mean, this guy's sitting at five feet away from the cup every single time. I mean, it's just unbelievable uh, the level he's playing at. He looks cool, calm, collected. It seemed like he was going to come a little unhinged on 18 yesterday afternoon and 
I know he made bogey, but that could have been much, much worse. So, yeah. listen, I'm rooting for Scotty. I'm com- com- uh, completely biased because I have him sitting on this big Scheffler future, but hopefully he's able to avoid any nerves and he's able to get it home. If he wins for you, you're going to be a big Scotty Scheffler guy moving forward. He's going to be your guy. I will probably get a Scotty Scheffler t-shirt of some of some degree. <laughs> I will probably. I don't think those some... existing. I don't think golf players have jerseys, but <laughs> there will be a, a t-shirt with his face on it. Memorabilia of Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. I will never forget this. But... A bobblehead or something. <laughs> yeah, I like this guy. Just put him right next to the desk. But yeah, I mean, it's shaping up. It made it competitive enough where it's shaping up for a pretty exciting Sunday. We'll see if Cam Smith can make a push because another guy that could just go, you know, off, go four under again. I w- wouldn't surprise me at all. We'll see if Scheffler um, could do what he has to do. Is the Are the conditions playing better today than it was the past two days, you think? I don't know what the weather is there. I haven't looked. I think the conditions are fine, to be honest. I haven't I haven't looked, though, if I'm being honest. So, so I haven't heard anything. anything. If the conditions are bad, I would have heard anything, and I haven't heard anything about the conditions. So maybe someone watching, if they know different, they can chime in in the chat. Uh, but I think the conditions are fine. So here's my last question, then we can move on. But Scheffler has to go what to ensure a victory? Today? Like, do you think Cam Smith is able to go four under again? I, does that, that, that would get him. Let's say Scheffler goes even, Cam Smith would win. What do you think Sky needs to go to ensure victory? To ensure victory and not even a playoff three under. Because okay. I, I think I think Cam Smith, I think Cam Smith at the top of his game could probably shoot five under today, um, which would bring him to 11 under. So Scheffler did not go to a playoff. I think three under secures it for him. That's okay. tough though at Augusta. That's why I th- like that's why Especially I think if Cam Sunday Smith plays as well as he can play, he could come back and win this outright. Uh, I okay. would not be shocked actually if it actually ends in a playoff and the two go to a playoff. Like Scheffler shoots like one under and Cam Smith shoots four under. Yeah, not even that Scheffler plays bad. He just Cam Smith plays right. really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say about Scheffler, and this is what I was saying about him leading up to the tournament, is he's not fantastic at anything, but he's good at everything and has no weak points. Like, he's not leading the field in any area, but he's gaining over a stroke in every area. The only area he's not is off the tee, and it's plus 0.97 per round. So mm-hmm. um, that's what's so good about him. And his his biggest downfall for like the past year when he was still putting up these numbers is he wasn't clutch. He'd kind of melt away. Um, but it seems like ever since he got that first win a month and a half ago, now it's like the monkey's off his back and like he knows how to win. And since since then, he's just been uh, unbeatable. So yeah, I'm interested to see if he's – because the Masters is a whole different thing. Being clutch in some random, you know, non-major tournament is one thing. Being clutch – at the back nine on the map. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Jordan Spieth in 2016, Francesco Molinari in 2019. These guys with massive leads. Uh, they hit a men's corner. They hit number 12, put a couple in the water, and that's it. Yeah. Francesco Molinari has never recovered his entire career. He was the, he was the defending open champion, champion golfer of the year. And then he was leading the Masters by a mile. Hit, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a 12th hole. Put it in the water twice, I think. And he's literally never been the same golfer again. He's never even been close. <laughs> I mean... We'll see. Again, I'm hoping not. <laughs> it wouldn't make me very upset if he was. But again, I'm. If you think about this guy, number one in the world, he's won three tournaments in the past what six weeks or something, two months, and he's on a roll. We'll see if he could keep it going. But I agree with you though. The pressure on the back nine of the mat, like there's no greater pressure in golf. So we'll see if Scheffler could hang. Again, we kind of saw him come a little unhinged on 18, but he followed it up with a. You know, nice two putts to get him with bogey, keep a three-shot lead. We'll see if he can keep Cam Smith, you know, on his back. 
Uh, two quick things I really want to mention about the Masters here, and then we're going to move on to some NBA playoffs and our best bets for tonight. Uh, the Masters pool, the bet-sided weekly golf giveaway pool. Shout out to Nick G. Uh, bet-sided tweeted it, t- tweeted it earlier this morning. He's leading the pool right now by five strokes. So Ooh. he is in a similar spot as Scotty Scheffler uh, <laughs> in the driver's seat. His lineup is Scheffler, Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Victor Hovland. Uh, he's in the driver's seat to win the $250 Visa gift card. Uh, three-way tie for second place. Three guys all have the same lineup there. So uh, if they end up catching him, I don't know what we're going to do. But <laughs> shout out Nick G in the in the bet side of pool. And for anyone watching, don't forget this is a weekly pool. You're going to be doing this every week uh, of golf uh, moving forward. I think there's only one weekend that doesn't have a PGA event. Uh, but for the rest of the season, non-majors, the prize is the $50 Visa gift card. And for the rest of the majors, it'll be back up to 250 So PGA Championship next month, U.S. Open uh, in June, and then the Open Championship uh in july uh and now i would like to just quickly for the people uh rapid fire through some oh, uh, some round four matchup bets that i have i have right, five of them um reed i don't think you have any so i'll just quickly go through these and then we'll move on to nba which i'm going to lean on you heavily because i'm not an nba guy uh taylor gooch minus 110 against mark leishman mark leishman don't trust his putting he's losing like a stroke and a half putting uh so, I mean, I'm not going to bet on a guy who's losing strokes putting at, at Augusta. And Gooch has been pretty good with his approach game, minus 110 in that matchup. Uh, Victor Hovland, minus 125 against Matsuyama. My general strategy for betting, especially round four matchups, is to bet on guys who aren't doing well in an area that they usually do really well in. Because uh, they're not just going to fall off a cliff and all of a sudden not be able to hit approach shots. So guys like Victor Hovland, who's a very good ball striker, very good with his approach game, hasn't really done well in that in that area in the first three rounds. I expect to see a little bit uh, of some correction in that for and for a couple of these guys to be good with their approach game. So I like him minus one twenty five against Matsuyama, uh, Zalatoris, even money, my best friend in the world, my new my my <laughs> new bestie, Willie Z, uh, plus one hundred against DJ. Similar guy, guy who is one of the best ball strikers on tour, has kind of struggled with that the first three days. That's not really been where his strength is. Both these guys have actually putted well, which is uncharacteristic of them. Um, so just like Hovland, if his approach game can kind of get back on track today, I think he wins that matchup with DJ. I like it a plus money. Morikawa plus 110 against McElroy, exact same story. Hasn't been great with his approaches. If he dials that in, I think he can beat McElroy plus money. Uh, and then I do have a bet for the uh, for the final round matchup, the final group. I am going to take Cam Smith minus 125 against Scheffler. I think Scheffler with a stroke, three-stroke lead, I think, and maybe I could be wrong, maybe goes out and, and plays aggressive, but I think he's more going to play a defensive style of golf and just kind of not give up strokes. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Cam Smith wins that matchup, but then Scheffler, like, still wins the tournament. Like, Cam yeah, Smith like shoots, like, two under, Scheffler shoots, like, even par, and that's the tournament. So, for just a head-to-head matchup, uh, I like Cam Smith minus 125 because he just has to get aggressive. He knows he has to get aggressive. Scheffler can play a little bit defensively, uh, and they're going to be paired with each other. So, that's going to be interesting as well. So, uh, Gooch, Hovland, Zalatoris, Morikawa, Cameron Smith for my five matchup bets for the final round. Love it. Five and I, I agree with all of them. I think they are all great bets. And the parlay them all, put a million dollars on. Yeah, and no, I, really. I, I say so. I am always, as someone who doesn't bet golf, I enjoy rationale and good process. So all of those make a ton of sense. The Hovland point I thought was really good. Um, like some regression to the mean in the positive way. So right. I agree. And 
I hope your Cam Smith bet loses, though, for my own sake. But I agree. I think Scheffler, on the back nine especially, is going to end up going very, very conservative and try and just win the golf tournament. Not He's going to play not to lose, I should say. Right, which could have cost him, though. I will say as a guy who's who's had plenty of vote rate bets and guys who are winning heading in the final round, it is never, never, never completely easy. There will be at least a sweat to it, I'm sure. Who do you think wins? I think Scheffler will win. I think Scheffler will win, but I think it'll be like a one-stroke win. I hope so. <laughs> I, think, I think I think it's going to get sweaty for you. Uh, let's Good. let's. I, uh, I need a Sunday sweat. Let's move on to the NBA playoffs here. Uh, I mentioned I'm I'm very openly not an NBA guy, so I'm going to lean on you a little bit for this. Uh, what, I don't. When does the regular season end? Is it today? Today. Today. Last day of the regular season. Why can't I get it? There it is. Jason Kidd jersey. Nets. Let's go. Shout out Jason Kidd. Yeah. Um, so are there any games today that are important for the seeding? Yes. Ton of importance, mainly in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, you could kind of juggle like three, four, and you know, your five, six. But Western Conference is a little bit more set. Eastern Conference, very important day on the last day. And a lot of guys are resting here and there. So you could kind of buy, you know, the lines, obviously, it's a sports betting show. By the lines, you can kind of tell where the motivation is and what's likely going to happen. Obviously, upsets happen. It is a sporting event. But we'll start two through four. The Sixers are likely going to end up in the four based on the odds, but they can get as high as three if the Celtics lose to the Grizzlies. The Celtics are a five-point road favorite at Memphis who played last night and will be sitting everyone. So if Boston wins, they can't fall worse than three. The Sixers would be the four then if Boston wins. Then Milwaukee, let me know if I'm explaining this like not great, but Milwaukee, they are sitting everyone but Drew Holiday. Why I why Drew Holiday playing? I don't know. But Drew Holiday's playing. The Bucks are eight-point road underdogs against the Cavs who need the win. So if the Bucs lose and the Celtics win, the Celtics go up to two. The, the Bucs would fall to three, the Sixers would be four. Where are the Cavs at in this situation? Like, why do they need, do they need to win to improve seating or just to make the playoffs? Great segue, Ian. Great segue. So the Cavs right now, they are looking to stay in the eight seed. So they have two games in the play-in. They lost to the Nets on Friday. I was there. Uh, I can confirm they lost. Uh, the Nets now control their own destiny for the seven seed to host the first play-in game, double elimination style. So the Nets win against the Pacers. They are 16.5-point favorites. If they win, they're the seven. If the Cavs win, they are the eight. And then I on I believe then it would be Hawks would host the Hornets in the 9-10 game. If the Cavs were to lose to the Bucks, the Bucks would be the two, and the Cavs would fall outside of the top eight. Then they would have a single elimination style, which is pretty crazy. Obviously, they have a ton of injuries, but would be pretty crazy given that they were like the one seed through February. So I think. That hits most of the Eastern Conference. How'd I do? I know it's a little confusing. No, I'm with you. Um, I have a question for you based on betting on today's games. Because yes. I'm not I, I hate motivation factor. It drives me up the wall when mm-hmm. I see people who market themselves as very intelligent sports handicapper investor types. Who yeah. I hear them break down why they're on a bet, and it they literally just cite motivation, which drives because who who can you can't measure motivation? That's not I a agree. measurable thing, and you're just assuming 
that teams are motivated or not motivated. You don't know. By motivated, I mean like they are sitting their best. Like they are sitting their best players. They're not like right. So trying to lose. So my caveat to that is this seems like one of the only days on the sports betting calendar where motivation should come into your handicapping. Would you agree with that? uh, Yes. And it's similar to like week 17 or now it's week 18 in the NFL where these, you know, teams are sitting guys, but also like player prop incentives, all that stuff that comes into play. Like, I agree with you that you can't handicap motivation, but like, again, if you think like, oh, well, the Bucks are sitting everyone, they don't care, like bet the Cavs, like. The Cavs are also eight-point favorites. Like, they might win by 30, but, like, it's baked into the line. So, no going into this that the teams that don't care, like, people are aware that they don't care. It's not like you stumbled on this, like, idea that they don't care. And by don't care, I mean, like, they are not putting their best foot forward. They are not – they are starting their bench players to get them extra run, and, like, they don't care if they win or lose. So, that's what I would say is the motivation style. I would say that they are not actively – trying their best but i wouldn't say like they're trying to lose per se like the sixers for example they are most likely going to be in the four seat but they're also minus 12 and a half if i were to give you some sort of betting advice for the nba today it would be to watch these games and recognize when these guys are coming out because the sixers and celtics play at the same time if the celtics go up by 20 the Sixers are going to pull their guys and beat and harden are going to come out so you can maybe then take the pistons live spread or something you know, something like like if that. I guess that's a good way to bet this. But in terms of the NBA, I would maybe stay away just because the outcomes are going to be kind of wacky based on when teams are pulling certain players, how much they actually care. Again, motivation just in terms of they might go to their worst players. The contrarian part of me wants to bet on every team who is supposed to not be motivated today. Like I want to take the box plus the points. Yes. Okay. That's – I would say – if you're looking, I'm not bet, saying to win outright, but to cover. Yeah, I would say I don't hate that idea, but again, you're going to see some wacky res- like teams might lose by like 35 points, like just because that's like like the Pistons earlier this week they were playing the Mavericks. They just pulled their starters in the second quarter. Again, the Pistons have nothing to play for, so they were like, you know what, we don't care. Like we got him as run. Like we're going to pull him now, and they lost by 30. So you're going to see some really wacky outcomes, but again you're going to look at the scores and be like, wow, they lost by 30. Then you're going to see like, oh, the starters all played 15 minutes. So I would uh, – I'm steering clear of the NBA today. But go speaking next. of the NBA, though, I am going to ask you a question that's going to hit a little close to home because I tweeted this question out last week. Read it was bait. I wanted you to see it, and you did. Um, why do the Brooklyn Nets suck? This is a team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, players that you might say are the, might be the two best players in the NBA. They had James Harden for uh, the a majority of the season but yet they're battling it out for the seventh seed. Why does this team suck, Reed? Because they suck. I, uh, I went to one of their games, and I saw Shea Gilgis-Alexander and uh, Lou Dort put up 30 points each, and the Thunder crushed them. Why does this team suck? Well, if you're talking, like, record-wise, I can give you a laundry list of excuses. I won't start with players' decisions to get certain vaccines. That, that notwithstanding, but Kevin Durant's injury really – derailed this season he was playing at an mvp level he came back he's playing at an mvp level he would be in my opinion the runaway mvp candidate if he didn't get hurt and he ended up missing two months with a sprained mcl so that led to the 11 game losing streak james harden forcing his way out and that ended up being a bad decision for james harden in my opinion but we'll see how well, the like there's been games recently like kevin durant and kyrie Irving are playing in them and losing 
Yeah, I mean, listen, the defense has its issues. I think that ultimately the Nets are going to be – they are one guy short. Kevin Durant and Kyrie have to absolutely put on if they want to make a playoff run. But it seems like they're missing a wing. Joe Harris obviously been out for like 85% of the season. They're, they're missing like a, a six 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 seven wing to kind of defend forwards. But – Listen, if today goes as the odds suggest, it's going to be Boston in the two seed. The Nets are going to host the seven seed, play Cleveland, who they just beat on Friday. I would be pretty confident. You can never be so confident it is an NBA game, and the Nets defense could just take nights off. But when locked in, the defense has been fine, and Kevin Durant is playing at a superhuman level. So I actually think the bracket might break the best possible way for the Nets. They're still going to have to go through Milwaukee, but – you know, there's lingering Ben Simmons questions. Can he come back? Can he even play with this team after not playing with them all year? I will go down with the ship. I still think the Nets are going to win the championship. Given their defensive concerns, I think Kevin Durant is the best player on this beautiful planet. I think that, um, listen, they're going to score 115, 120 points every night. Can you limit the team to just a little bit less? And I think when locked in, this defense can still do it. So, yeah. Um, plan the parade, as you'd like to say, uh, in your neighborhood of Brooklyn. And I mean, just like, like, if you don't believe in the Nets, like I understand that, like, it's not an EV bet, but this team's going to win the championship. So like you could either just bet it or not. So, yeah. I want to give you my opinion about this NBA season from an outsider perspective, a guy who's not an NBA guy. I've never followed the NBA. The only games I've watched this season have been actual games I've been at, um, and so I, this might be either a very obvious thing I'm saying, or I just could be wrong. But it feels to me like this season is proving that you need role players and depth players to have yeah, success. Because I'm looking at the Lakers, who obviously had, you know, all-stars, one of the arguably the greatest basketball player of all time on it, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, even though I know he was hurt for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys are completely missing the playoffs. Uh, on the other uh, side of things, you have uh, the Grizzlies uh, with John Morant, who when he hasn't played this year, the Grizzlies are winning like 90% of those games without their best player. Uh, you have some other teams that don't necessarily have, you know, uh, all-star with, with a big name that, that they're doing very well. And then you have the Nets, who have two of the best players in the NBA right now who are sitting in possibly the seventh seed. And I know all the points you just said, yeah, there's yeah, you know, yeah. other reasons why. But I feel like in years past, it's kind of been like, and maybe this is a little bit longer ago, but you if you have like two of the best players in the NBA, you're going to be in the finals almost every single year. It seems like now, has there been like a recent change to the modern game where like depth players and role players are more important? Or is it just, does it just seem more obvious this year? I don't know if it's a prevailing, like this might be just my opinion. I just think the talent in the NBA right now is at its highest. Like everyone mm. is amazing. Like, you, right. Sadiq Bay scored 50 the other week. Like, it, and I'm not saying Sadiq Bay is bad. I'm just saying that there's like a lot of really good players in the NBA. Like, everyone just happens to be really good. So, I think that, yes, having nine guys that are legitimately high end players is obviously an advantage. That being said, playoff basketball is a different animal than the regular season. You, the game slows down, the shots get bigger. It's similar to the Sky Chef, but like, the shots get bigger, you know. It's more of a grind. It's more physical. Like it's a, it's a different level. Like I've listened to podcasts where I don't, I don't want to not, I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast, but someone, a rookie said to a reporter that like after their first playoff game, he's like, wow, like that was one game that felt like four. 
Like, you know, like the games are just more taxing. It is a different level. So that's why the cream typically rises to the crop where these superstars play at such a high level that they know, like, again, that's why I think the Nets, they have Kevin Durant. They have the best player on the planet. So I think that the Nets are still going to go very far. So, you know, I think like, yes, the Grizzlies are a great story. I still think they're eventually going to run into trouble because it wanted their first time all as a group, really making a run and being kind of favored. Now they went in last year as kind of the underdog. Now they are the hunted. Um, but again, I don't trust their half court offense. Can they win when the game slows down and create sound offense? I don't think so. The Nets, they might not create sound offense, but guess what? You're just going to give it to Kevin Durant. He's going to just shoot over whoever's guarding him. He's going to put in the hoop. The guy's addicted to putting the ball in the hoop. I've never seen anything like him. He's unbelievable to watch. And again, I won't go on a total Nets tangent. Hopefully we get some time for me to do that before the playoffs. But while the talent has grown this season and in the past few years, there's a lot of talent. The playoffs are a different animal. And I think you're still going to end up seeing the higher end teams, your bucks, your nets, and I, your Phoenix suns. And even I think Dallas is prime for a deep postseason run because they have a superstar in Luka Doncic. But like to me, your Celtics, your Grizzlies, I think they're going to run a little bit short because their team is based more around their depth, their regular season depth rather than their postseason depth. They're two different animals. Okay, that leads us a good segue. Let's make this really quick, and then we're going to get into our best, best yep. night. So give me one team name and then maybe a sentence or two. Uh, NBA playoffs right now, best value bet. Team team that's a little bit off the board that you think could go on a run. I I know I'll say the Raptors I think could go on a run because the bracket broke pretty nice for them. But I also think the Dallas Mavericks because, again, Luka Doncic, you want a superstar on your team. Superstars win in the postseason, and Luka Doncic is that good. Uh, I think he could propel this team on a run, the Mavericks. Mavericks right now, win bet 25 to 1. The Toronto Raptors, 75 to 1. I was going to say the Raptors, but I have no reason to back that up. Are they a good defensive team this year? I feel like I've heard that. Unbelievable defense. They have seven guys that are 6'7 with arms that go across my entire apartment. Um, and of course, obviously, playing in Toronto, there are a few teams that are not completely vaccinated that may run into trouble like what seems to be the Philadelphia 76ers who they're probably going to play in the first round. Matisse Who's working the year, Evan Mobley or uh, uh, Scotty Barnes? I think Evan Mobley. It's Mobley. kind of a toss-up, though, hasn't it? Hasn't Scotty Barnes kind of turned it on lately? Yeah, I think Mobley's season-long profile is going to get him the win, but Scotty Barnes has made a great, a big push, and I think he's going to be – I think they're both going to be amazing, obviously. And Kate Cunningham deserves a shout-out there. All right, then. So let's uh, wrap up the show here with our best bets for tonight. Reed, you're going to start us off with looking at a sport that we literally have not mentioned at all this entire show. Um, no need to mention it. It kind of works with with uh, MLB season is kind of like I feel like everyone gets hyped up for the opening day and then everyone forgets about it until like the NBA playoffs and NHL playoff playoffs wrap up. But there are MLB games today, believe it or not. And Reed, you like the Mets. Yeah, April Mets. I am a Mets fan, so I'm a little biased, but I have watched the first three games. Mets look electric. Um, again, April Mets, they always start hot. It feels like um, Nationals, they're honestly, they're going to be the worst team in the NL East by a wide margin. I think they're going to finish 30 games outside. I think they're going to win less than 70 games. Mets at minus 135, huge discount. I don't think the lines are adjusting yet for how talented this Mets lineup is. I like the Mets to complete this opening weekend sweep. Give me the minus 135. This is a complete discount. 
Carlos Carrasco looks like he's getting a start for the Mets against Eric Fed. Yeah. Don't know if it's Fetty. Fed or Feddy. Fetty. Um, yeah, interesting bet there. Yeah, Mets 3-0. Speaking of teams who are undefeated, uh, my preseason prediction that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to go 162-0 is off to a hot start. They're 2-0. <laughs> Two games down, 160 to go. There you go. You're on, uh, your I, You're on pace. I took, I took Blue Jays' run line in the opening game, and they went down 6-0 in the, by the third inning, and my DMs and mentions were just – People just ripping on me, and then the Blue Jays come all the way back and win. What was it, ten to eight? I think it was, and cover the run line. So the Blue Jays so might be people. the most electric. They might. <laughs> oh, they're electric. They they are an absolute wagon. Listen, let's do Blue Jays Mets. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down for Blue Jays Mets. Wow. And then that'd be great. I could go to games. Well, I probably wouldn't be able to afford tickets to World <laughs> Series games, but uh, there'd be games here that I might potentially be able to go to. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm down for that. Yeah, but yeah, the the Jays will never be out of a game. Their offense is just so potent; yeah. they could they can come back in any game. Um, I'm going to be looking to the other sport that we haven't talked about tonight. Uh, and if people have been following my NHL bets this season, you're probably going to guess who I'm on because I'm obsessed with betting on this team, especially when they're big underdogs. That is the Los Angeles Kings plus 155 against the Minnesota Wild, who, who I think are one of the more overrated teams heading down the final stretch here uh season regular season ends at the at the end of this month kings the issue with the kings is that is that they are ranking the top 10 top five in a lot of the advanced analytics and i am uh married to advanced analytics in the nhl i just can't look past them their issue is they don't do the the non-advanced stuff very well like they're over their last 25 games they're dead last in shooting percentage so to kind of argue against my own point it's a little bit tough to win games no matter how good you are between the blue lines if you can't find the back of the net when you shoot, you can shoot shoot the puck sixty times, but if you're only scoring on two of those shots, like two of the sixty shots, uh, it's going to be hard to win games. But they're facing the Wild, who over their last twenty five games are twenty fourth in team save percentage. So I'm hoping that the bad save percentage off, offsets the bad shooting percentage. Um, Wild's offense has actually not been good uh, lately. Twenty second in expected goals per sixty minutes over their last twenty five games as well. So uh, I think this is a value bet. I think the Kings continue to be one of the most undervalued teams uh, in the entire NHL. So I'm going Kings plus 155 for a little underdog play in, in the NHL. Really quick, while we're here, NHL playoffs are coming up. Outside of the Maple Leafs, who's winning the cup? Best value bet. I'll turn it around on you. You ask me NBA, I'll ask you NHL. Let me bring up the odds here. I mean, I, I was a big Flames believer. I put in a Flames futures bet right when they traded for Tyler Toffoli back in like late January, early February. I got them to win the West at 10 to 1. And now to right. win the West, they are plus 325. So I'm patting Very myself nice. in the back for a little uh for might as well catch nice the ticket there. Yeah. But to win that, I I think that the winner of the Stanley Cup is going to come from the Eastern Conference. I think the Eastern Conference is by far the more far superior uh conference. And I think Avalanche is even though they're the Stanley Cup favorite, I think their record's a little bit inflated because they just play mostly obviously against uh, weaker Western Conference teams. Uh, so if I'm looking at the odds board right now and I'm looking at the best value play, damn, the Leafs are all the way down at 15 to one. The Leafs have no goaltending though. That's, that's tough. <sighs> you might want to go actually to the Western conference. The Oilers at 30 to one as a bit of a dark horse. They struggle defensively though, but it, it, I, this isn't off the board. I mean, this is, they're tied for fourth in the odds list here, but I do think they are the best value bet is the hurricanes. Okay. Um, love the hurricanes, good offensively, decent defensively. Uh, their goaltending is strong at times, struggles at times. They're a little bit of a streaky team. Um, 
But they have right. an easier path to the, to the finals. They are nine to one right now. I don't, uh, know if that's I don't know if that like I don't know if that gets me going though. Like as someone who's yeah, I know I'm in embedded NHL future. I need like like Edmonton kind of tickles my fancy. That one kind of gets me going. Just, it's just top heavy this year, which is tough. Well, I mean, you can look at my LA Kings, who I think are undervalued at forty to one, uh, a team that's already won the cup as an eight seed before. So okay, how's that tickles is, teams? Is, LA uh, Kings at forty is to one. Quick still the goalie. Yeah, he he's on the team. I don't know if they go with him or the Cal Peterson guy much anymore. Like I think they kind of uh, uh, switch back and forth. Okay, because um, I know I know NHL playoffs are coming up, so I'm gonna have to take a team. My Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Jonathan Quick has started 39 games this year, so okay, I think so it's like plays. they get they kind of cycle back and forth between him and the the Peterson guy. Um, a Peterson Two, six, guy. seven goals against average, nine, nine, oh, eight save percentage. Okay. Um, yeah, but the uh, Hurricanes have an easier path to the, to the finals because they're in the Metro and all the tough teams are in the Atlantic. So they won't have to face like a Florida or Tampa Bay or a Maple Leafs or a Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals. So they have a little okay. bit of an easier path. Don't that believe makes, in the Rangers like whatsoever because their whole team is Igor Shesterk and their goalie. If he doesn't stand on his head, they lose. Um, yeah, so I, I think Hurricanes probably the best bet right now. I don't believe in the Panthers either because they're they're very good offensively, terrible defensively. Just bet overs in every Panthers game, and you'll win a million million bucks. Good to know. It's Master Sunday, man. Any any final thoughts before before we uh, close this off? One man, Scotty Scheffler, and go Nets. Let's lock Scottie up a seven Scheffler. seed go so Nets. I could go Tuesday night to a playing game. Lucky me. Beautiful. I Let's love get it. the stress going. So if, so what they only need to have they if the play if they're in the seven or eight seed they only need to win once. Yes. So how it works is as seven plays eight, winner gets the seven. Loser of that game plays the winner of the nine ten game got or it. the eight seed. Got so it, go it, Nets. Go Nets. I guess I'll cheer for the Nets since I'm a Brooklyn boy now. Um, all right. Thank you everyone for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, good luck with your bets today. Enjoy Master Sunday. I know that you're rooting for a sweat-free win. I am rooting. I'm not going to root against you. I just want it to be. I just want to get exciting. Fine. It's kind of the second year in a row where, wins. like, as long as he wins, it could be the most exciting thing in the world. I don't care. I saw someone tweet the other day. They said Tiger winning in 2019 is cursed. It's still like non-exciting Sundays at the Masters now because Matsuyama kind of ran with ran away with it last year too. So he went in the water late, right? Didn't it get kind of nervy. Got a little nervy, but then Xander on the 16th put in the water himself. So that's about right. Got a little nervy, and then the, and then the guy who was kind of pushing kind of screwed himself. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a sweat free on on the 18th. I think he even bogeyed the 18th and still won by stroke. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, just give me a little excitement. That's all I want. But thank you for everyone for watching. Best of luck. Uh, we'll see uh, some live stream next week. I'll have yeah. my golf show tomorrow. Tune in for that. I don't even know what event. I don't even know what <laughs> tournament is next week, but uh, I'll be talking about it. So tune in for that. Jab cross actually. What's that? Jab cross hook Wednesday. We'll probably jab cross hook Wednesday. Tuesday. Tune in for that. NBA playoffs best bets on Tuesday probably, um, and then jab cross hook Wednesday. And everyone have a happy Master Sunday. Perfect. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone. Talk to you soon.